informal. The whole intention of this session is for me to answer questions to people who have been uh, observing the path, practicing the path. Do I, do I need to use the mic? Seriously? <laughs> yes. It's in, the mic is in my face. <laughs> now, um, this is the first time that I am doing a session like this. And let me give you an idea. Oh, I got my own table. Eh. <laughs> this is very nice. Thank you. Um, just to make everybody feel a bit more comfortable. Uh -huh. So that you're more relaxed. And as time passes, you feel a little bit more comfortable asking questions. So how did this session, how, how did it come about? It was actually because Julian and I were having some taxes, exchange, exchange of taxes. And something that he wrote in one of the taxes about the nature of the mind and, the, and, and about how, uh, I, I can't remember exactly the words, but I remember very clearly that what I read that day gave me a very good impression of what's how you have learned over the years. And I thought that BDMS, because I know Yan Yan comes here a lot to, to give talks, and she conducts meditation here. So I, 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 I have this happy impression that many here in BDMS have learned much from her. And because you have learned much from her, you may have questions, at, 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 not the usual kind of questions that you, know, you would expect at an open talk, where anything can come this way, like, who's the Buddha? You sure or not? <laughs> that kind of talk. In this setting, in this <coughs> setting, more likely that people know in their mind, in their heart, the practice is right. They are inspired. They might have experiences very personal to them, which strengthen their conviction that this path is the path for them, this life. And in their practice, they will try and take it their own understanding and their own restraint and purification, they will take it as far as they can go in this life. So my purpose here really is to catch up with old friends, which I found two and three. <laughs> I don't know, have you met before? I think you're quite new to me. I, I've met you before, yes. Four. <laughs> I am also seeing you for the first time, I think. Have we met before? Me? Yeah. We have met before. I, I talk, I, I gave your talk first. Really? Uh? <laughs> oh, you came for my talk? Where? Where? In where? Here and then we have... Oh, I see. You must be hiding somewhere. I can't see you. <laughs> <laughs> but now I recognize you. Uh? I recognize you. <laughs> you too, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I heard. So the, the intent really is 
to answer questions. If you have anything burning. Now, I also told June, this is, this is June by the way, I also told June that I suspect at the initial, at the start, people will be very uncomfortable asking questions, you know, like, uh, no, Singaporean, uh, very shy one. So, I, I, I will ask, la, maybe when I get comfortable enough, you know, when I get to know you enough, and I know you won't step off my head, uh, then maybe I'll ask a question. But it will take a while to come. So, in that the case, I think I better bring something as backup. <laughs> in case I sit around and you look at me, I smile at you, you smile back at me, and then we all look very happy. And <laughs> the face is very happy, but inside there, don't know. Huh? It's like wasting my time all the way here, but stare at you. Huh? Noble silence. So this was good, right? So I brought this book here. And this being uh, the day 2,500 years ago, Buddha unveiled Dhammachaka. You're familiar with Dhamma chapter, right? So good, I can ask question, right? <laughs> no, Dhamma chapter, you see, let, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about the, the story of Dhamma chapter. Let's, let's just hear the story of Dhamma chapter. Hello. Good evening. That's the other half. Of who? <laughs> Oh, I, for one minute. <laughs> okay, anyhow. Now, you, you are, I, I'm sure everyone here, everyone here is familiar with the Machaka, Bawatana Sutta, right? How many times have you all read it? Let's see how many, huh? Who has read it once only? At least twice. At least twice. Three times? Who has read it so many times you cannot remember? Ajana. <laughs> How many times have you read it? I know. I know. Yes. Yes. I understand that. And I completely understand what you're saying because. I've read it many times. And in fact, the first time I read it, with the exception of John, I don't know how many of you are born really in the Dhamma Army. Because the first time I read it was 30 years ago, when I first went to Mangala to study. That's about 30 years back. And I read it once through, and I said, eh, hey, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh. And someone entered the stream like that. <laughs> then I read it again. And over the years, I, I, maybe every other year or so, I'll be reading it again. And honestly, it was not until last year, I think. It was not until last year that Dhamma Chakra actually came alive for me. Because I mean... No, I knew it by heart. I knew the, the, the yeah. sutta by heart. But it was only somewhere last year. Somewhere last year it came alive for me. Then I realized what a power net cake it was. Because it's actually an extremely powerful sutta. It look, Buddha spent six years 
looking for vimutti, right? Liberation of the mind. As long as he felt trapped, he knew the answer is not there. How did he know? You see, we know he went from teacher to teacher. We know that he consulted <coughs> prominent teachers of the day. It was not just some half-baked, nobody teacher in charge of some minor school. No. He was a Sakyan. Sakyans were famous in that region. How do we know Sakyans were famous? Because much later on, every time they said, Oh, you are the Shkion of the Sakyan. You are of the, of, your Gautama of the Sakyan clan. Everywhere he went, they all knew that, right? So Sakyans were famous. And this famous son of the Sakyan, when he was looking out for a teacher, and we know he was educated, of sort of the day, he would have gone to a good teacher. And he went. And he was so good, within a very short time of being with them, he exceeded, either parallel or exceeded, within a short time, he learned their methods. We know all that. But what's the significance of all that? It means he was very smart and he knew exactly what he wanted. How many of us can say that when we go into this Dhamma, we knew what we wanted? We knew Dhamma. See me, see Dhamma. Don't know. Teachers say what I follow. Something like that. Huh? But he knew what he wanted. So the question is, how come he knew? He went in with a goal. And his goal was Vimutti, liberation. Now, for most people of his time, liberation came after death. Because if you understand the conventional story of the day, right? The Vedic faith, liberation means reunification with Brahma. The Atta reconnects with Brahma for them, right? But he was not going for that. He was going for liberation that you can experience here and now. That is why even when he came out of Arupajana, which is jhana, jhana is incredible. Your mind goes completely still. And for as long as that power of the, the energy of the jhana is still within your brain, you will come out feeling just like a million dollars. You're so you're feeling so nice, right? Hence, all the funny description about how beautiful it is, how wondrous it is. But he knew it wasn't it. Despite all the relief, he kept saying, it's not it. So the question is, how did he know, you see? He must have been watching his mind so closely that even just a twitch from the mind, he knows. And as long as that mind twitches, cannot be it. That's how he... I'm, I'm guessing this was probably it. And, and on his own, he knew it has to go back to some kind of a stillness. And then let's, from there, examine the nature of the mind. So you see in many suttas in Majjhima Nikaya, captured in other, in the Samyutta also, you see in many suttas, his description was descriptions of the 
mind's nature, the mind's habit. Okay? Now, after six years of struggle, of which he almost died. If you have read my book, you'll know he almost died. He definitely almost died because you had him hallucinating. Or even if you say they were not hallucination, there were enough devas whispering to themselves saying, this is it, this is it, he's turning black. Now, the, we have no doctors here, do we? But you are the closest to a medical person. <laughs> when a person turns black, even as he is alive, you know, have you seen people who are dying? Sometimes it turns quite grey before it's the end. That was what he looked like, probably. Hence, you have the Dewa saying, he's turning black. And he himself was saying that when he pinched his stomach, he touches his spine. I mean, obviously, he didn't touch his mind, but the point is, he, he, he knew that it was bad. That he knew how to turn back. Now, now you must, okay, huh? I'm setting your, the stage in your mind. Huh? I'm setting it in your mind. So you have all these things, right? And he got it, right? Can you imagine the, the relief? And now he finally, after internal debates, he decided he was going to teach. Okay? You, you look at your own life. Suppose I say all you know is cooking or baking and you wanted to bake the perfect cake. And when the perfect cake comes out, what do you do? Eat. Uh. You must tell the world, right? The perfect cake comes out, you... <laughs> you caught the fish, the perfect fish, you must like take picture, you know? I know it's panati pata, but still you want to take picture. But the point is, when it is something so impactful that you know solve all your problems and you know will solve others' pain, you will want to share. And that's Dhamma Chakra. So I told myself, I said, it cannot be, there's nothing there. It has to be. That is why I, every other year or so, I go back and re-examine the thing. Because this was the Buddha coming out, meeting his students of target. Uh. It's not a, oh, by the way, uh, hello. And hey, let me explain to you Dhamma Chakra. <laughs> it's not like that. He went in after them. He, he talent spotted. Right? He scanned through his head. Uh, I'll see the, uh, I'll see <laughs> He scanned through his head, right? And then he said, ah, oh, this five. This five can get it. Why is it so important he had to find someone that can get it? I mean, why did he just... Look, look, he was in a land surrounded by practitioners. In case you don't know, uh, where he was, where he was practicing, right next to Niranjara River, that area were all the practitioners. It's a practitioner base. How do we know that? Because after he went to teach this five, he, he walked back to there to teach. So, he went back there and there were a thousand of them there, ma. Minimally, there were a thousand of them there, meaning a lot. We don't know whether it's, okay, like, roll call, one, two, three. We don't know, lah. But we know there are a lot of them. So, he wanted that five because this was literally the opening law. As a teacher, 
I would tell you, when I first came out to teach 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, <coughs> it was at Mangala. I sweated as I prepared lessons. The lesson was like Sunday, right? My first lesson, right? going in as a teacher, very very Because just one year ago, I was sitting on the other side, ma. And it was Mante Nyanarama, I said, come, come and teach. So, okay, no. but take you must go. Me and Yen are going to summon for duty. I can tell you, we prepared so hard. We wanted to make sure that we don't stand up there and the mind freeze. You will never catch me going for class like that tonight. Come here with no script. Like. <laughs> 20 years later can do that. Uh. 20 years ago cannot do. Every night was, a, I mean, every lesson was very well prepared. Every line was crafted. Huh? You all just started, right? Every line was crafted. Buddha must have been the same. He talent spotted five fellas. He was confident they could understand and he was tweaking his lesson as he went along that's why it came out number two anatta lakana number three the other one the fire sutta and he was tweaking as he went along it was an interesting encounter he met the assembly correct correct he says i'm the greatest guru obviously the time is a thing he because it was uh the guy said you look so nice. Could you tell me your teacher and what did he teach? The guy assumed he's not the teacher. Yeah, you're right. But, but yes, he hasn't prepared his lesson yet. <laughs> so his thing was, I got no teacher. I'm the one who found it myself. The fellow said, okay. Okay, he called. <laughs> what does it mean? First, first unveiling day. <laughs> it didn't work. So he went there, and he went there, they were not going to be very pleased to see him. Huh? Now you think about it, you put yourself in their shoes. They followed him for five years. It, it, did you even notice that the, the canon did not say they followed him when he went under the other two teachers? It didn't. Huh? They only followed him after he embarked on his self-mortification program. They kill yourself today program. Only when he did that, they followed him. Then they hovered like a voucher, you know, waiting for him to like, just as his, with his dying breath, ah, this is it. He must have been waiting for that. Then it didn't happen. He went back to food. Then they went, <laughs> they left. So you think about this. Huh? He chose the first five people he was going to teach were people who betrayed him. They abandoned him at his lowest point. You don't think about the five years they were with him. They abandoned him at his lowest point. He only just decided he was going back to a regular meal. After a starvation diet of many moons, we don't even know for how long, and they left. You can say, I mean, you know, you can use whatever words. Don't you understand Chinese, right? Okay. <laughs> if not, you'll be the reason why I don't use Chinese. <laughs> but he chose them because regardless of the history that they had, 
they had certain conditions he knew were necessary to understand the Dhamma. That's the point which we need to bear in mind. Regardless of your history, if the individual has the conditions that could understand the Dhamma, you will teach. And in his mind at that time, what he thought were necessary conditions was whether they, they were willing to practice. They, they had that discipline. They were turning away from regular intoxication. The rest of us are caught up in lay life, enjoying our sensual delights. We can't hear what he's saying. But these guys were prepared to die with him. They were just waiting for him to show the way. But they were prepared to do it. So they had turned away from sensual pleasures. And they were well into self-mortification. They didn't do it as severely as he did. But they were like-minded in that way. So the discipline was there. The wisdom was there. They knew the answers to liberation cannot be found in regular life. So in that sense, they had wisdom. They talent spotted him. Minimally, that was wisdom because they, they knew what is good, what's a good teacher. He got no background. You, you see, you remember after, after, after Buddha came out to teach, right? He, time and again, he encountered this problem. Everybody said, black hair. What do you know? But they had no such reservations. All of them were probably older than him. Kondanya, we know for sure, is older than him. But they had no reservations. They were not looking at age. They were not looking at... They knew he, he, was, going to, he was going to help them. So they had some wisdom. Just said they were disappointed, but they had wisdom, okay? They had that. They, 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 help, they know how to kuanang. They, they kuanang, then they kind of missed the point. Then, yeah, but they still had wisdom. Huh? So I think the wisdom, the discipline, the, the odds are the yogis of the day will know how to meditate so their mind can go quiet enough. So they had, all, they had ne some necessary mental conditions which make them promising candidates. Okay? Then comes Dhammachakra. And what is interesting about Dhammachakra, in my view, in fact, many things are very interesting and spent long enough staring at it. Many things are very interesting about Dhammachakra. So a bit of Q&A first. Huh? Do you recall what he started with? You see, uh, you've got to give a talk about your teaching. What's your teaching on liberation, right? Your teaching, he's going to teach them liberation. You must remember the objective. They follow him because they want to know what's liberation. So your teaching is on liberation. The typical start point of a teaching, where will it be? If you think about it, right, the regular person giving a talk, you put a hypothesis, right? You will say something about your teaching. My teaching makes the following points about reality, for instance. So technically, you would expect that he will start with the Four Noble Truths. But was that how he started? He didn't. Dhammachaka didn't start with, let me explain to you 
the Four Noble Truths, which was actually the essence of the teaching, the crux of the teaching. It started with, there are two extremes you should avoid. Indulgence to the extreme and mortification, self-mortification, self-denial to the extreme. Self-mortification to the extreme. Because these two methods, I'll put it in regular English, because these two methods will not work. They are dead end. The first one, he added two adjectives. He calls them ignoble. Low. Hina. Sorry, ah. Low. Vulgar. The other one, painful. He didn't call it low and vulgar. It's painful. Now, this already should give you a clue as to what's Dhamma. Dhamma is not about knowledge per se. Dhamma is really about the way you conduct life, you handle your life, the choices you make. In life, as we experience life, every day, every moment, it's about choices. Do you understand that? Dhamma, you see, a lot of us, when we go into Dhamma, our fixation is what did the Buddha say about the nature of the world? What did he say? It's almost as if a Buddha say it and you understand it as it is, sure you can understand everything. But what did he start with? He, Ladies and gentlemen, this is my first class. I'm going to tell you. Avoid these two things. Why? Those must be the most important things, you see? So the first thing he said was about choices. And therefore, in the way that we conduct, conduct our life, moment to moment, the choices that you make has to be middle. No excessive indulgence. He's not saying you cannot have pleasure. He said, do not indulge to the extreme. Meaning you let go and you indulge. You I think it's in the Vinaya. Hmm? Ah, louder, please. <laughs> oh, Arya Pariyasana Sutta. It's Majjhima Nikaya. It's when in that Sutta it captured the meeting between the Buddha and the disciples. I mean, the five ascetics. And initially, yes, they were going to know him. Because he said, well, he can sit where he wants. It's his option. And then they noticed that something was different, and then they decided to, oh, this is different. And they, they accorded him with respect. Yes, 
it is possible they were going to be somewhat skeptical. But even then, you can still start off with, let me explain a little bit about the nature of the world. You, you could have lah. But this point, in a suitor that you unveil, this is, this is the usual explanation, you're right. The usual explanation is, he talked about, because someone has to explain why he talked about the two extremes, instead of plunging into the four noble truth and the eightfold path. And in, in most cases, they will say it's to address the skeptical nature of the minds of the ascetics. And that is true. But at the same time, he could have done it in the middle. He could have said, I have unveiled this, I've understood the nature of the mind. If you would open your mind up, I will explain to you. He could have done that. But instead, he went in and straight on, what you're doing is wrong. The other side also wrong. So my, my theory, my theory, in fact, my belief quite strongly is this is where many of us will fumble. It is a path. The Dhamma is a path, a practice, a choice. This part is very important. And if you remember the, this sutta, which when we go through, you will know, the only thing that has elaboration is the Eightfold Path. All the others have no elaboration. What you know of Dukkha and origin were elaborated many ways in substantial detail in other suttas. But this is the only one which all the eight is down. In the, basically, all the eight, the eight parts of the path is down. And if you look at both sides, if you, if you take a bird's eye view of the sutta and you count the stanza, you'll find that actually the path takes a bit more um, space, occupy more space in the sutta. So therefore, my postulation, and I still maintain it's a postulation, is in this practice, it's not the knowledge. The knowledge is essential to convince you to adopt the path. But having knowledge without the path, without knowing what to do to change your mind, nothing works. The knowledge is just knowledge. You understand it? It's like knowing the nature of the body. You know, as a doctor, I know the nature of the body. But I have never done a cut on your body. Then I will never really know how inside works. I think I <laughs> see for myself. Now you can see YouTube, but still. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that uh, you talk about this point. I wish I was thinking about this as well. Yeah. The words he used, veering away from Yes. And if you look at the Chinese one, it's belief. And I understand now why, why they use belief. It's, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, most people say that it's a submission, you know, it's a, a middle. You yes. Know, yes. Yes. But it is throwing away the two extremes. You know? Yes. And, and if, you, if you look at the. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, what is a middle? When there is two, right? I think you say there's a middle, right? But in this case, it's, I, I don't think it's, it's like that. It's like. These two are not. And I, when I read this, um, I don't mind. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. This is a good intention. When I read uh, Professor Karuna, he says that um, when the Buddha used inner, low, vulgar, or sexual pleasure, because um, 
จะมีที่สุดดีรุ่นเก่า imagine a life of the dead so if if we are not restrained why 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 keep something so 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 controlled right I can enjoy right so in that case of this sexual pleasure is enough is longer right but um, when it comes to self occupation it has a purpose right so that you can unite with Yeah. You know, because there's an afterlife. So you practice this, although it's not correct, but if you compare it to the other one, which is yeah, the that's why the the Buddha don't use powder. And and if you look at the um, Chetta Buddha Sutta, what? What one Sutta is it? Um, which one? Oh, what is it about? The the one about the um, the two extremes. Nihilism and uh, oh, okay. Kata, 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 kata. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It links to the two. Yeah. This the Buddha says the middle path, yeah. and he says, you know, the, the most people in the world they will use the word as well. Dominant. Oh yes, eternal, yes, yes. Eternal or, or nihilism. Yeah, that's right. Eternalism, so it, eternalism, and nihilism. Eternalism and nihilism, right? Yeah. So he says, I'll teach you the middle path, which is. Also, be discussing with students. Yes. And that is a very important student. Is it because once you look at the world with wisdom, then see the world as it is. If you look at the field of wisdom, you know that um, uh, uh, you know whatever exists uh, is not permanent. So this two student is very, is very typical. So mm. it, it seems to join with what is being said here. It's not being the same. I know what you're saying. Mm. See, all these five ascetics were educated young men. Mm. Young I'm men, but not quite young. <laughs> Meaning to say, they already knew the teachings of the days, and what you have just described are the arguments of the day. The arguments of the day were all about this life end. To you, right? Actually. This thing, it's not just in India. Everywhere is the same. Look, there. Are, when it talks about death, there are only two versions. There are only actually two versions. One version is simple. The nihilistic version, is simple. I always call it worm food. Die already become worm food or ashes or pollutant to the air. The second version has different permutations. Permutation one. The body dies. The soul lives on, forever. So that's version one. Version two. This the second version means the body dies, but something else lives on. Okay. So in this, something else lives on has different permutations. Permutation one: it lives on in an eternal life. And different culture has different version. Not just the Indian version, ah. Huh? Different culture has different version. In fact, the Indians were the one that does not have an end point. India doesn't have. Their end point is reunification with Brahma. But in the different culture, like the Egyptian, I keep saying the Egyptians have the golden field. The Vikings have the banquet hall, the great Mahana or something like that. The great banquet hall. <coughs> Chinese is. No, Chinese one is the Chinese 
took the ideas from the Indian and give it a spin. Okay, <clears throat> so version one, you die, finish, eternity, different existence. The second version is you die, you're reborn, and the soul round and round and round. That's the Chinese version, round and round and round and round. But it's something consistent that goes round and 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 round. And there's no way out. It just go round and round and round, forever and ever. Eternalism. <clears throat> the Indians, I'm not sure if you're familiar, have many permutations of the round and round and round. Version one, the driving force. That there are no driving forces explaining rebirth. In fact. There is the version that says your rebirth is all chop and approved already. It's like when you unroll a yarn, it will just unwind itself to the logical conclusion. You like it or not, this life you're gonna be a beggar, next life you're gonna be a king. It's all everybody takes turns. Eighty-four thousand times. Something like that. Number is just number lah. Yeah, and and there are many versions. Actually. It's scholars who come along and offer different theories. My personal view, having having gone through this practice and all, my personal view is don't think too hard. The Buddha's Dhamma is actually very straightforward. There is no imagination. There is no no need to think too hard. It really is describing the absolute nature of. Don't think too hard. This is important. Why do I say that? You look at your own instincts. What are your instincts? You are a regular person, right? Your conventional man and woman. Your regular instinct is you either smack yourself or you indulge. This is a regular instinct. Mostly, mostly you give in. Think of it like this: Do you give in? Or do you not only deny, you make it painful for yourself? And we talk about everything. Oh, here you're talking about sensual experiences. What about relationship? Think of the time in relationship. You either shook up or on it. Let's say someone you love very much, and you feel. In your wonderful construction, you have concluded the person betrayed you. And what do you do? You cut the thing, regardless of how painful it is for you or for that person. Punish the person by punishing yourself. You punish yourself, punish your brother. You refuse to forgive. You refuse to forget. Never mind next life. We see, we fight again. Human instincts are not that complex. The Buddha's not describing fantasies, you know. He is really describing your mind. These two extremes reside in everybody, under every circumstances, in every choices that you make. You go look at your mind. When you say I indulge, it's karma sukha nikanu. You go. If you say I refuse to give in, I will die standing. That's the other one. And what is this middle path? He says, and the middle path, because it's what is interesting is what he said. You are right, 
But he actually used the word Majid Mahal Patipada, which means middle of the two. And no, it is not 50-50. It means do not go near those two. That's the point. Do not go near the two extremes. We will take the position that looks like this. It is not middle purpose. He gave a name to the method. It's a method. It is not that the path of the Buddha runs in the middle of the two. It's not like that. It actually means there is a way of avoiding these two. The name I give it, middle path. That's the point. And more importantly, it looks like this. And then it, he went on, right? Samaditi, Samasankapa, Sama, Bacha, Sama, Kamanta, Sama, okay, in English, <laughs> Ajiva, livelihood, effort, Sati, Samadhi, right? In most cases, for most people, they know the words. But they actually don't know to how to operationalize it, how to do it right. And they see it as a step. Let me one step, one step, one step. But have you all seen a wheel? Have you seen a wheel? You go look at a car when the wheel moves. Do you see steps? You don't. It's actually one blank slate. So actually, for the path to come alive, it should look like a moving wheel. It should not look like eight steps. It should not look like eight spokes. So what does it mean? In real life, huh? You see something that annoys you. Straight away, your mind must say, There is something I crave, I want. There is a wanting here. Because the first one says, Samaditi. Right understanding. Right understanding is a collapsed thing. Huh? It is not first noble truth, second noble truth. It's a collapsed thing. Right understanding means, I know for myself there is craving in me, there's a wanting in me. Therefore, the agitation has a reason. And going by the path, so you know what's happening. I know there's anger arising. And in this anger, there is a one thing. According to the teaching, what's the next one? Right thought. I should let go of the one thing. That's why it's nekamma. You have the understanding, you must let go lah. Nekamma, renunciation, let it go. You must hold on to don't let the irritation grow. When the irritation grows, it becomes we himself. If the irritation doesn't grow, there will be a we himself. So it is not one by one. You see an irritation, you let it go, there will be no agitation, there will be no cruelty. If there is no cruelty, the words won't come out. It's always the mind first, then the words. That's why it's in that order. If your mind is already akusala, the words eventually will pop out. As it pops out, you might act on it. Okay? 
do you understand up to this point? Isn't it one shot? It's in one spin of a wheel that's there already. Oh. And then, and then, look at the next one. Right effort. After all the effort of doing the right thing, think of what effort. Ah. What did right effort start with? Yen Ye's famous one. <laughs> okay, what's the first one? Prevent. Look, why does it start with prevent? Your practitioner, it should come up to here already, right? So if it comes up to here, you see, uh, right speech, right action, right life view. If it comes up to here, it should start with kusalama. I mean, at least it's not akusalama. So akusala not present, don't let it come up. Akusala present, you must purge. Means the part, you, you fight loss, you lost your battle, right? akusala is there. Now it's remember your effort. Drop it. You still cannot drop it. Bring up your kusala. Bring it up. Because if anything can overcome a kusala, it's kusala. This is the part we are supposed to remember. You want to ask me how you practice in daily life? You get annoyed. Can you bring up meta? Cannot. You suliao. You didn't even learn any of the things the Buddha said. You understand the Dhamma? You have any craving? You have a craving? The dukkha will come up. That's why you feel agitated. Wow, what is that? <laughs> hello, hello. Oh, that one. No, no, Yeah. You see, no matter how, no matter how, in your, it's all in your daily life. The steps are to help you walk correctly. It's to help you walk correctly. Then you say, yeah, but meditation, it's not. They are all, they are all together. So, uh, I continue. Assuming you've got your, your virya right, very nice and very quiet, very joyous, very giving, very meta, very, very nice, right? Of course, your mind is in the present. The mind gets into fantasy mode la, because of loba. It gets into regret la, because of dosa. It gets into worry because of loba and dosa. <laughs> and every one of them is moha. Now what are the, what, where is the time when your mind drifts? It will drift into fantasizing or imagining, planning. Eh? Or it will be aya. Aya. Aya, aya, aya. Huh? Regret. Oh, yeah, of course. But even now, you also regret it. You can regret like, right now, yeah, I got nothing to do like now. How I got nothing to do? It's still now. So people usually say it's, it's past. You're right. And it's true. Most time it's that. But even let's say you don't know the Dhamma, right? Even now, now we're very agitating, you know. I got nothing to do. I'm very bored. It's a bit like that. So your mind fantasizes. Every time your mind drifts off, it's loba dosa in the picture. That's all. Loba is greed, dosa is anger. There is something you want, something you're not getting, you're getting a bit irritated. Every time the mind drifts, it has to do with loba or dosa, or loba dosa moha. Very the killer, all in. Why do I say that? You think about it. Yeah, tomorrow meeting how? I don't know Loba ma, you are worried. You don't want to look bad, so you want to look good. You don't want anything to happen, you want things to go smoothly. Isn't that a kind of wanting? 
Of course. You see what I'm saying? It's everything. You name anything. You name anything. You can, I'm so confident you can name anything. <laughs> I'm going to miss my bus. I want to catch the bus. I want to be on time somewhere. I want to save that. I want this. Always I want somewhere. So, so how does it help the Eightfold Path? Remember the right effort? Right effort is when you're focused on metta, metta, joy, giving, others, others. The whole intent of focusing on kusala is to cut out the defilements. If you can cut out the defilements, the I is missing. Yourself is missing. There will be no fear. There will be no anger. Even fear. Even fear. If you're walking along the road and you're worried about something, don't look at the worry, bring out the kusala. As much as you can, you bring out the kusala. Don't let your mind think. Thinking will bring out the akusala. So you just focus on the mental energy of kusala. Any kusala you like, the Buddha faith. Faith can protect the fellow, okay, because it's very kusala. Concentrate on joy, you know, meta, left, right, meta, meta. You concentrate on the meta mental energy, there is no thought. If there is thought, your meta is meta, 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 meta. You know, you, you, you start the fire, uh, fire cannot start. Uh. It grows, then freezing from your fear. It's like that. You understand? So, okay. Exactly. And it's also compact because all his methods yes. are meant to keep the defilements at bay. I must introduce this everywhere to the lecture. <laughs> <laughs> all the methods that he taught is really you can you don't have to use all of them. But when you have an idea what they are and you're very clear about what the Eightfold Path, you will know why those methods were introduced. They were all meant to help you carry, keep the wheel spinning, keep the Dhamma wheel spinning in your mind. It's not spinning everywhere else, it's spinning here. Because if it spins correctly and you're very cooler, your mind automatically will be quite quiet and you're mindful. Mindfulness, I repeat, has nothing to do with robotic activity. It's nothing to do with that. Mindfulness is all about mindfulness of the Dhamma. So I'll give you an example. Huh? Now your mind is quite quiet, right? When your mind is quite quiet, you, if you were to say, indeed it's true, third noble truth. The noble truth. Oh, sorry, we haven't even gone into the noble truths yet. <laughs> talking so happily about the power, we forgot about the noble truths. The noble truth is cessation, which I will explain later. But if your mind is relatively quiet and quite still, you must straight away remember there is no craving, there is no dukkha. There is no wanting, there is no dukkha. That's why the mind is here and now. But it will drift because. We are not pure enough, we have defilements, the result of which is the craving will start, the thoughts will begin. You will not drift when there is very little craving. 
your mind will drift only when the cravings are a lot. Then you say, I'm not a greedy person. It's nothing to do with greed. It's not about greed. It's about a natural instinct to meddle here, meddle there, want something, want something. It's very built-in instinct. If you look at your own mind, right? You call the fellow, remind her to close windows. I don't know whether my, my daughter eat ready or not. Eh. I don't know whether the food is warm. <laughs> You're not craving, ma. You say, I'm not craving. You're craving. Can you see that? There's a one thing there. Wait, craving what? I want billionaire. Who's so stupid? Everyday want to be millionaire. <laughs> it's the little thing that trip us. Aiyah, why you put your shoe here? Aiyah, why your seat cover go down? Aiyah, why your, you squeeze one? <laughs> Face in the middle, uh, that kind of thing. Uh. It's the little thing. Ayah, why you eat chomp 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 so loud? It's the little thing. Ayah, he's not his fault, is it? Ayah, she's not her fault, is it? <laughs> the body knows, ma. Why you blame the character? It's nothing to do with the character. But it's just like that. We have, we have strong instincts about protecting pleasure. Everything that is so so you you will make do when it's neutral. You are happiest when it's pleasant, but you must see at all costs painful, right? So your mind already given instruction. It is very vigilant. Nothing works better than this part. Your mind very vigilant. A little bit only painful coming. I see up, see up, see up. This part of you, you is very instinctive. And the info part is about recognizing this part where you twitch at the fear of pain. So that you become aware whatever that arises fades. So that you don't twitch so hard. Little bit you twitch. You must be tired, you know? You must ride. Something like that. So the path will take you from managing the grosser defilements to micromanaging the finer defilements. As you practice, your anger should not be landmine or should not be like that. As you practice, maybe the mind is right next to you only. Meaning, it's something that cuts very close to the skin, to the heart, that's where it hurts. Okay? This is, this is for you to know for yourself. How, what does it take to arouse the defilements? This you must know. Mindfulness is so that you know. Mindfulness is so that you know to stay on the path. How to stay on the path. What you must abandon. You must know what's coming up. Then you say, oh, off the dhamma. You know what I'm saying? They say, yeah, but isn't that paneer? You tell me, eight four pa, they got paneer, meh? The whole thing is paneer. The whole path is paneer. But that mindfulness sticks with paneer. Everything sticks with paneer. It is with paneer, you learn to control your tongue. You learn to control your action. You learn to let go of the unwholesome thoughts. It's with panya you do that. Do you understand this? 
That's why uh, 37 factors of enlightenment uh, is the last one that is eightfold path. So Bante, the targeter, right at number one lecture, throw at people eightfold path, then he realized, oh beside each other. They don't get it. <laughs> so along the way it gets longer, more and more parts. Until one day, towards the end of his life, 37. 37 didn't appear on day one. 37 didn't appear on day two. 37 didn't appear until a bit later. Much later, because by then a lot of students were already. By then, there were a lot of students. And you know that along the way, right, you'll be the four in three years, you'll be the seven factors of enlightenment. But actually, they were in parts. That's why in the many suttas, where he says, if you have the five faculties, you, you will enter the street, you will realize Nibbana. If you have the seven factors of enlightenment, you will enter the street, you will realize Nibbana. They, they were in parts. Because it was meant for individual to chong in a certain way, shape their mind in a certain way. But the eight, the eightfold path is the same as the others, except it's right at the end, it sits on wisdom. Okay, it doesn't, it, it doesn't just flow on its own. That is why for most of us, we don't understand what's so big deal about the eightfold path. A primary school, a secondary school pass exam already got eightfold path. The Buddha, wow, one of the last things he said, before he passed on, he says, with the eightfold path, there will be Arya. I, I, O level already know that. But I'm not Arya, come on. Because you actually don't know how to implement it right in daily life. They are meant to help you purify the mind, wash away the defilements. Only when you successfully wash away the defilement, Really, Get rid of it, get rid of it. Meta, meta, then it dry up already. It's the meta that dries up all this nonsense, right? The meta, the karuna. It's your kusala that dries up the akusala. Kusala is so powerful, you cannot believe it. Okay? And it is so powerful that even when you are at the height of anger, right? Let's say you your brain all boiling like 100 degrees. I'm, I'm quite graphic. La. Must be graphic <laughs> people remember ma. Not graphic how to remember, right? So let's say yeah, you burning, 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 right? Okay. So as it burns, then you suddenly remember Jialat. Buddha says, don't hurt self, don't hurt others. What am I doing? Slapping self, slapping others. At that time, your faith must come in in a big way. You must bow in gratitude to the Buddha. At that, if you can do all those things, if you're very, your sattva is very strong, you can do it. You say, I drop this. I won't think anymore because it's the thinking that causes defilements. Huh? I won't think anymore. No Shankara. Suddenly it will turn. The joy that surges up enough to dry up all your defilements. It's incredible. Why won't the more people do it? Because they didn't believe what? Not enough faith. They don't believe. You must believe. And there's something we say, Nying Yen Actually, uh, if you are very familiar, it's about familiarity. Let's say you really do meta, left, right. But the Vira Dhammo says, what, 20 minutes, a, 5 minutes, then 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day. Right? 20 minutes a day. Just do it. A day then. That's all. 7 days. 7 years. 
very fast, not, you don't need seven years, within days, you'll find that Meta comes on like a radio fusion. No? Oh, <laughs> 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 it's true, it's true. Uh, radio fusion. What? Radio fusion is the one that is like 24 hours right? on tap. Right? Huh? Ah, that version. Not the Jujansan version, you must find the time. The Jujansan version, you got to find the knob. Meta, where? Your favorite? Ah, yes, good. Ah. <laughs> Chanting ah? No, 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 Ah, yeah, 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 good, good, good. No, 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 it works, it works. Do some more, do some more. Okay, uh, okay, now we go on ah. Okay, uh, what is the middle path awakened by the Tathagata which gives rise to... which gives rise to vision, which gives rise to knowledge, which leads to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to Nibbana. Every word here matters. The enlightenment process, actually not just enlightenment process, your, enlighten, your enlightenment to what the Buddha taught, meaning your awakening to what the Buddha taught also goes through this. You sit there, you listen to talk. When the talk begins to make sense, it's an awakening, right? That awakening also goes through this process as he had described. Okay? Now let me explain. Huh? Gives rise to vision. You have an idea how it works. You can see how it can work. That's the idea. You can see how it works. You can see why it is like that. Rise to knowledge, see, and then there must be some explanation in your mind. Oh, yes, I get it. That two is two parts. There is a sudden awakening and a realization. That's the vision. And then the knowledge builds. It means this, it means that, and so on. That's the knowledge. So make an example. Uh. Let's say you are you are angry. Hmm? There is anger. So that's a defilement, right? And then suddenly you remembered Buddha said about Nita. So you bring up Buddha. You don't know, la, you just do it. La. But Buddha says so, you do. You <laughs> grumpy, right? And let's see, on that day, it worked. Suddenly, your agitation gets wiped out. All of a sudden, it gets wiped out. And then the, the joy erupts. What has happened? You will see. You are a witness to an event that is happening in you. This is vision. And then you understand. When you understand, and you begin to understand more, that's knowledge. In every part of learning, it's like that. 
gives rise to vision, gives rise to knowledge. Then he didn't say gives rise to peace, leads to peace. You feel. The moment that happens, you feel you come on. Ni fula. That's a better word. Fu is a better word. Ni fula. You're content. Because you have experience with the Dhamma, you have one experience with what he taught. You're content. Gives right to peace. And why is it? You see, earlier on is knowledge which which gives rise to knowledge, but it leads to direct knowledge. It leads to peace, to direct knowledge. Why this time round second word? Because you are the eyewitness. You seen for yourself. This is an experiential knowledge. This is not a conceptual knowledge. It led to an experiential piece of knowledge. Don't lama enlightenment. And then when you get the big one, nibbana. Okay, so. Whatever it is, in all the steps that you grow in the Dhamma, is like that. You will first see, and then you correlate the point when you correlate the Dhamma, the teaching, to what you have are experiencing. That is a vision. You are eyewitness. It will lead to the rise of that, the the vision that arises, and then you understand what he taught. And then you feel really good about it. This is an experiential thing, right? It's an item, no? <laughs> and you will never forget. You see it once. This kind, you see it once. You never forget. Every dhamma experience is like that. When we talk about growing the dhamma, we are talking about all these occasions. You can mark it against the wall. Oh, today you have three. Oh, tomorrow you have four. You're growing in the Dhamma. Some people grow faster. This one not not go by years. Some people just go faster because of the mental states. The mental states, the five mental states, which you all you all know, right? Sadha, Virya, Sati, Samadhi, Madhya. Okay. And that he says. What is this middle way awakened by the Dhamma, which gives rise to vision, knowledge, and which leads to Nibbana? It is the Eightfold Path. Right view, right intention, right speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, and concentration. Now, so you listen to how he said it, nah? This path, doing it like this as a spinning wheel, not in steps. As a spinning wheel, as life, as you experience life, as you engage with life, every time the defilements come up, the spinning wheel must start. Every time kusala is present, the spinning wheel is churning by itself, meaning the spinning wheel is there. Do you hear how I say it differently? When it's akusala, your spinning wheel must start because it stopped spinning. But when it is kusala, see the spinning wheel there. That's the difference, okay? And then he explained. 
Then he explained uh, the, the drum roll and all. Uh, this part no drum roll yet. Because later on, the Dewas came out to celebrate. The drum roll started. Okay? Now, this Biku is the noble truth of Dukkha. Birth is Dukkha. Aging is Dukkha. Illness is Dukkha. Death is Dukkha. Our mind like to gloss over these words. I know, I know. Is it not I understand. Actually, no, it's not. Okay, the 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 See that? So the very first thing when he talks about Anicca, people didn't understand. Actually, in each of the points that he made, embedded in all three parts, embedded there, Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta, but nobody caught it. Sen Lao Ping Si is impermanence, and it's Dukkha. And it's another because it's a process. But the first five disciples didn't get it either, except for Kondanya. The other four didn't get it. Like the rest of us never caught it. We also didn't catch it. But this is the fundamentals of life. The one part that even if you are an Arahan, you can't escape. And our mind grosses over it because our mind doesn't like to think of bad. We only like part one or four. Sun. <laughs> That's why we happy birthday to you as we celebrate your death because it's our dying. Because that's the reality, right? Because Every year, we celebrate for you as you are nearing the end. <laughs> but of course, when we are celebrating, we don't mean it like that. We meant it in a positive way. We're so happy you were born. Without realizing that we are also so happy you are growing. <laughs> oh, so happy. <laughs> but that's the nature. The day you're born, you cry. Which we did. Uh, that's not that, that cute, that cute little joke, right? You cry, everybody laugh, right? Everybody smile. Then when you die, hopefully you you smile, everybody cry. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not the other way around. You cry, everybody laugh. <laughs> this is wasted life. Okay. Anything else you want to say here? This one is very important because if if this sun loving Hard, right? This fall, if it doesn't hit you, you don't feel it deep enough, you actually can't really understand our nature. Uh, when are you going to upload it? Which that one? talk. Which the, the one at BF that talk. I'll see. Yeah. Uh, I'll see. I'll see. Give me one week. Uh. <laughs> one week's time, look out for the JDI Facebook. I gave a talk on Anicca Dukkha Anatta. Actually the fourth perversion at BF. And you go through that talk, it will explain a lot in a lot more details. 
the, the substance of this nature thing. Huh? Then he says, union with what is displeasing is dukkha. Separation from what is pleasing is dukkha. This one is about change. It's about change. And it's also about Shankara Dukkata yes. over here. Because you think about it, huh? you think about it. Suppose let's say you love someone a lot. And the person went off. You're very sad, right? We all agree with you, very sad. Then you get amnesia. You still sad, no? When you get amnesia, you're not sad anymore. You can be sad only when there's a memory of the, the there must be attachment and there is memory. You have no attachment, no memory, you got no construction, you won't be sad. Good readings. <laughs> You see, it all sits on memory and construction. If you don't remember and you don't construct, there will be no dukkha. If you remember, meaning your data retrieval system works perfectly well, but you don't think about it, no dukkha. Dukkha starts only when the thinking starts. And that is also conditionality. It's conditional dukkha. Okay? Then comes the, the final one. The five aggregates subject... Uh, sorry, not to get what one wants is dukkha. Again, this is construction. This is all construction. The five aggregates subject to clinging are Dukkha. The five aggregates, he did not explain them today. He merely threw it there into the wind and so the five also blur. He just threw it there. He didn't explain it in this sutta. Then, huh? in brief, and much later on, he said, I told you Buddha fine-tuned as he went along, right? So as he find you, everything got elaborated. Because this is what you call the star pupil of the year. Okay? Well, I tell you something even more amazing. Tonight you got time, right? Okay. Okay, now, origin, the noble truth of the origin of Dukkha. It is this craving which leads to renewed existence accompanied by delight and lust, seeking delight here and there, that is, craving for sensual pleasure, craving for existence, craving for Vibhava Tangha. I will change it into Pali. Eh? Because this place is very good. Everybody knows Pali, right? Vibhava Tangha. Okay? Wait. Now, I usually would dare to bet. But here in BDMS, in the presence of a few fellas like you guys, I think I don't bet lah. Usually I will bet. I will say, I bet you you only saw Kama Tangha, Bawa Tangha, We Bawa Tangha, you didn't see the rest. And usually people go, Yeah, it's true. But here I dare not say because here the people are very nyao, you know, because spot words. So spot the words, spot the words, spot the words. But it is very interesting. The words are interesting, the little ones. It leads to 
hear the words, huh? it is this craving which leads to renewed existence. Now we immediately think it's about rebirth. It's not. It's about here and now. The moment there is a craving existence, if you do not think and no craving, your mind is like that. For your mind to move, for your mind to move, there has to be craving. So if you sit and do nothing, nothing happens. But the regular mind will die because it seeks stimulation. The regular mind seeks, seeks stimulation in order to feel alive. Can you hear the words? Which is what it said here. Renew existence. It is this cravings which leads to renewed existence. Craving drives your moment to moment. Okay? And it drives your moment to moment accompanied by delight. The last immediately you think of sex, but it is not. It's hunger. It merely means hunger. And the mind seeking delight here and there. This is how craving drives. Craving drives, the, it's the battery that leads life to move on. Moment to moment. And as the life moves, moment your every moment is a rebirth your every moment is an existence your you see it as a continual existence but really it's a becoming it's a becoming and in the becoming he is telling us your becoming is driven by craving you sit here you do nothing you want to know what's coming up next <laughs> Oh, were you there last night? Just a yellow. This leads to renew and accompanied by delight and lust. So, there are two parts here. Not sure if you saw it. Two parts here. Part one. Part one, I read to you again. It leads to this happening. It leads to renewed existence. Part one. Accompanied by delight and lust. So, Existence, 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 existence is accompanied by delight and lust. That's part one. Part two, seeking delight here and there. Two parts. Why do I say it's in two parts? The, the driving itself is just a drive. But it must land somewhere. It must land outside or inside. So outside would be Sound, sight, smell, taste, touch. Inside, your head, your blame, your memory, your plan, your pleasure. So it lands there, 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 and then all over the place. And everyone accompanied by delight and lust. 
This is describing daily life. When the Buddha said the Four Noble Truths has to be understood as is fully. It's the first one understood fully. The second one craving, abandoned completely. The third one coming up, coming up. That one later. Huh? So this part most people will land on Kama Tangha, Vibhava Tangha, Bhava Tangha, Vibhava Tangha. Right? Kama Tangha, Bhava Tangha, Vibhava Tangha. Those are the three key things. Kama Tangha, sense-based pleasure, craving. Bhava Vibhava Tangha, mind-based pleasure, craving. That is all. Outside, inside. It's outside and inside. And in all three, it describes the nature of our craving. We outside chase, we inside chase, land here, land there, every moment keeps spinning. That's what it means. This is where everybody goes, <laughs> This is where we go, because we, this is where you realize the battery, the, the battery of life, life, that battery is craving. And this craving literally rules your life. Whether you're chasing outside, you're chasing inside, every moment you want to land somewhere. You don't believe, uh, you sit quietly in your meditation, you could look at your mind. The mind wants to land somewhere. And what pushes it to land is craving. Okay? So now we go on. Now this, bhikkhu, is the noble truth of the cessation of dukkha. We all... Sorry, I will finish reading this and then I will talk. It is the remainderless fading away and cessation of that same craving. The giving up and relinquishing freedom from it, non-reliance on it. We all assume, when you read this one, we all assume it's the big nibbana. Right? Cessation, remainderless, fading away. It, it's, it's nibbana. Oh, so finish, done. But it's not that. Because it's every day this happens. It's actually present moment. Because when that craving for that split minute, every craving arises and fades. So therefore, every dukkha arises and fades. But as it arises, it will fade, right? It will drop, right? At the point when it drops, that is cessation. Cessation of craving, cessation of dukkha. You look at your mind, at any time when craving is not obvious, there is no dukkha. It ceased. That is why the way he said it, uh, remainderless fading, it will fade away. Giving up, relinquishing, abandoning. You, it fades away, then you go take it up. He's telling you, it fades away, you let it go. 
and your mind must don't take it up again. That's where you will feel freedom from it. Then this cute little word that says non-reliance on it, you see, the human mind is addicted to pleasure. Our mind is addicted to pleasure. And we live relying on pleasure. He's saying, do not get addicted. Don't be relying on that. You will only pick it up because you want to go back to the pleasure. That's what he meant. So if it were just the end game Nibbana, why did he continue using the word freedom from it and finally non-reliance on it? Non-reliance doesn't make sense. Because non-reliance implies that there is still reliance. You have to choose not to be reliant. Do you think about it, right? I say don't non-reliance. If I use the word non-reliance, you are saying don't be relying on it. If the person has completely let go, there is no there's nothing left. But it's a reminder, don't go back to it. Don't go back. Don't depend on it. So if you take it this line and you look at just your everyday life, right? Of course it's quicker. Because the craving is intense. We're driven around by craving. The more thought so people who come and tell me, oh, my mind can't settle, it's flying all over. You have a lot of craving. I don't have one. I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> like that all. Choose the young. Actually, when your mind can't sit still, right, it floats around a lot, right? Your battery is very active. Yours is a regenerating battery. The craving battery. Wow. You know, it's like you stroke the you 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 create cause friction. The fire will come out, right? Not that I've done it before, but I understand the principle. I understand the principle. They come out, right? Ah. Like that. The regular mind which cannot come down has a lot of wanting stirring the mind it's just like that okay so you understand this one huh? then the fourth one that says this is the four the eightfold path he repeated okay this is the one where he repeated the eightfold path and he said this is the noble truth of dukkha in regard to things unheard before. There arose in me vision. <laughs> Y'all memorize it. Vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. And I said to another group, I knew of all of them except the last one that says light. So I asked Dr. Ng, my guru, eh? I asked Dr. Ng. What did she say, huh? <laughs> Everybody like, yeah, what did she say? Uh, you know, you must ask Dr. Ng to verify. My recollection of what she said, you, you just remind her. Sometimes I ask you, the, maybe she'll forget. But she said that, no, actually maybe I shouldn't say it because I'm not sure. I, I, yeah, I should say it because I don't remember it well. 
But it doesn't matter. You just have to get past the other ones first. Vision, knowledge, wisdom, true knowledge, and light. Okay. Vision earlier on we mentioned. So you know how it's done. From what you see and understood how it from what you see for yourself, you correlated for yourself, you build knowledge. If it really sinks in, it is wisdom. It has to sink in you because you can see and you sort of understand and is it not important lah? How many of us have gone for a retreat, seen a nature of sort, then come out of retreat, drop half the things? <laughs> it has to sink in deep enough to become wisdom and then you will know how to use it. Because it's not done yet. With wisdom, true knowledge is Nibbana knowledge. You go in depth into the actual realization and taste of Nibbana. This, this is the true knowledge. So the light comes after the knowledge arises. This one, no, no, not, not yet. But, uh, okay, in this, in this sutta, he didn't say right liberation. But in the tenfold path, he talks about right knowledge, true samanyana, uh, right knowledge, and right liberation where the mind is free okay okay uh, then he said this noble truth of Dukkha is to be fully understood in regard to things unheard before there was me so the knowledge of Dukkha what is it that drives you on a daily basis the battery that drives you has to be understood not understand as in I feel pain but understand the true nature of Dukkha that the very fact you live you were born you live you will die the very fact that you are here there will be things you want or not want the mind works around it, it talks a lot. Every time it talks, you will have dukkha. Dukkha has to be understood. Understood is to use the mind to understand, not use your heart to feel. That's the difference. For most of us who say we know what's dukkha, actually it's the heart that feels and therefore we get emotional. Understood is to un is to use your head, your mind, to have a logical, sensible, balanced, objective, and what Yan Yan likes to say, clinical understanding. It's clinical, it's detached, it's objective. Your heart does not feel the pain when you understand. Not that it's not painful. Is that it's, you're not emotional about it. Okay? So you can actually see Dukkha and smile. And then the Buddha went on to say, has been understood. Sorry. Is, is to be understood, meaning to say, 
as part of your practice. And this is where sometimes we go wrong. Here you have the Buddha saying it categorically. Dukkha is to be understood. Dukkha has been fully understood. So you have the you have dukkha, you have should be understood, then got it. Right? There are three parts to it. First is there. Then you you understand it has to be understood, and then you understand. You you fully understand it. Now, what is the significance of three parts? Something that is there has to be seen as it is and understood for what it is. And this is the part in the whole practice, it's re what is the purpose of walking the path? It's for the experience, absolute understanding, for cessation of dukkha, right? It is for understanding, abandoning, cultivating and realizing. Four parts. And it all boils down to that. Do you or do you not understand the very nature of that mind? The mind that is driven crazy by its craving. But it doesn't have to be like that. It knows how to stop. Everything that comes will drop. It will cease by itself. Whatever comes up, it will stop. If you stop thinking, it stops. If you stop thinking, it stops. So what are you clinging on? You're clinging on to it so you think some more. And as you think, it starts. It's basically like that. So. If you understand Dukkha properly, you will understand the nature of the mind properly. This is what it means. If you understand Dukkha properly, you will understand the nature of the mind properly. And what is the nature of the mind? Anicca Dukkha Anatta. That's the nature of the mind. You understand it properly. Then he went on to say, Origin of suffering. There is the noble truth of the origin of suffering. The noble truth of the origin of suffering has is to be abandoned. The noble truth of suffering of the origin of suffering has been abandoned. This part is about that battery, right? Craving. Objectively, there is this problem. You need to let go of that battery has to be abandoned is to be abandoned and then you know when you have abandoned it okay this part has to do with fundamentally defilements all defilements go back to one boss craving any version Fear, worry, restlessness, doubts, every version of every single defilement you can think of has only one root, craving. So right here, what the Buddha was saying is you need to overcome all defilements, which fundamentally is craving. So to put it a different way, lah, because sometimes you don't see the defilement. Are uh, you sorry? You don't see that craving. You see only that defilement. So like fear, you actually don't see 
eat as craving, you see as you see as fear. But underneath fear is craving. Craving to be alive. Craving for what? Craving to be alive. Why are you afraid of death? Why can't I want to be alive? Why be a ghost? Because I want to be alive. But ghosts can chase me. If let's say ghosts become your good friend, you sit down, you talk to ghosts, ghosts talk to you, you talk, 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 then you realize he won't harm you more. You know, scared ghosts. But you can speak, not this one. Ah, sorry, not this one. Uh, no, this one. <laughs> uh, this one. Right? You're not scared of the one that you talk to. But you're still scared of others. Other version. You know what I'm saying? With knowledge comes no fear. So you realize, hey, oh, they are all mental energy, po, 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 only mental energy, then you don't scare really. But as long as you have no knowledge of them, as long as you, your mind starts to think and imagine, and you're afraid that they will come after you, piak you on the head, make you fall, make you scared, ah, that's where your fear will start. It's craving. Why is doubt defilement? And why is doubt craving? Doubt. Right? I said all defilements, all akusala, one road. It all leads back to one boss. Craving. Doubt. See me craving, right? See ya. Craving to know. Why you want to know? Why it's so important? What do you need to know? You know, you think about it. Maybe. Yes. If you don't know, you'll get annoyed, ma. The teacher talk, 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 never get to the point, you get annoyed, ma. How are you supposed to overcome my doubt like that? <laughs> you go round and round and round, I follow you in right into the library, you cannot come out. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the aversion starts. Richie Kitcher doubt. It's very cute. It's the least obvious, but it's a defilement. Because in there, yes, you're right. It is about, I want to know. But why is it that? It, it actually leads one more point. It, it leads further in. What do you need to know? Because to know could mean something for me. It must, yes, it has to mean something for me that I want to know. Do you want to know how to make cake? If you're a baker and you're earning a living, yes. The rest of us, no. <laughs> Do you want to know how to program? Hey, are you sure this way of programming is right or this way is right? Seriously, only the programmer who earns a living or only the programmer who wants to fix his computer wants to know. Everyone else, I'm not interested. So this thing about doubt has to do with I want to know, which has to do with what's in it for me. Everything goes back that way. So like I tired. Why is indolent? Akusala. Why is it a defilement? Because you want to indulge. Because your mind thinks that working is painful. Not working is pleasure. So I want to indulge. Then why we all see already not happy? You think about it. 
You see somebody not working, you're not happy. Why? Uh? Why? Because he's not working means you got to work. <laughs> All roads lead back to you. If you are not going to do your chore, I got to do for you. If you don't care, if you don't care, then it's okay. You want to sleep with your clothes from 10 days ago? Fine. <laughs> because I'm not responsible for I don't care. But if your job is to go clean up, yes, you care. You see what I'm saying? Humans are very cute one. You go look at your own anger. It all boils back to number one. It's all about my interest. Same. Judgmental is also about self-preservation and self-protection. You see, uh, there are two versions. There is the, I'm usually not judgmental until I'm judgmental. <laughs> That's version one. Meaning to say, I usually don't care. Then I care. Then I talk, I say. In that case, that particular event has a direct bearing on me or mine. Meaning to say, my wife, my children. I am not judgmental until, hey, that boy pushed my boy leh. <laughs> what the naughty boy? Normally, I don't care about the naughty boys. You see what I'm saying? So I don't care until I care type of people. That particular event when he judges or is critical is when something affects him or his loved ones. Then there is the version which is his baseline, her baseline, judgmental. He can't help it. Quadio, oh, oh, uh, 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 uh. That kind, right? Usually is habit ready. For the life of, it basically is a habit. When a habit is formed, duh, don't know how to stop being judgmental. <laughs> then you practice, oh, I'm very jala, very jala. not supposed to say anything. Teacher, the, 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 teacher, the rope too short, I cannot see, cannot see. <laughs> teacher, the rope too long, I cannot see, cannot see. It's just like that. So, what, what do you do? Other people don't care. It's about yourself. What do you do? If you find that your mind is of version 1 and you want to be a practitioner, you're serious about it, 8 4 bath. Hello. Start work. I told you, right? Must start spinning. There is defilement. It means Aku Salah has a reason there's something I want. What is it about me I want? That I, oh, I, 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 what is it that what is it that you want that led to you saying like that I want my teacher to be perfect and he's not perfect enough so therefore I'm critical you must really not know that so it's not your teacher's fault his rope is his rope what is it going to do with you <laughs> so it's your fault right your mouth your mind and then what's, version two, what's the second point nekama nekama let it go let your thoughts drop. Go back to the kusala. No words here. Minds don't come up. Don't, don't, don't turn. Biria. Grateful to the teacher. I don't care how he looks. He has taught me. Or whatever it is. La. Basically, your will must start spinning. If your will spin in the wrong direction, you also jialat. <laughs> what do I mean? You are actually quite, you are actually quite steady. You know? Then it went in the wrong direction, suddenly it's something to say. <laughs> so from calm became messy. It went wrong direction. 
You see what I'm saying? Okay. Now, what is interesting is if you look at how the sequence goes, right? First noble truth, this is the problem. Sorry, this is a problem. Second noble truth, this is the reason why. Third noble truth, it can end. Fourth noble truth, this is how you do it. Why does it go like that? Typically, typically, if you go, if you, if let's say there is a problem, usually this is how it goes. This is a problem. This is how it happens. This is what we must do to stop it. Right? Typically, it should go like that. But your 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 noble truth switch at the end. Have you ever wondered why? First noble truth, second noble truth. We are all logical people and we know Buddha was amazingly logical. But the third noble truth and fourth noble truth seems to have switched place. Hmm? Correct. Parlor cost. But this is not parlor. Ma. Look. You see, yeah? Typically, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Yes, I know yeah. But do you see the do you see this oddness here? Yes, of course. Do you know can you explain why logically? Why is there this oddness? First, do you agree it's a bit odd? First, second, third, fourth. I mean I I I saw it as a bit odd, but did you did you wonder did you even see it as odd? This is a problem. This is the reason why this is a problem. And it stops. Okay, this is how. Normally it should be, this is a problem. This is the reason why it's a problem. This is how we fix it. Fix. Sure. That's a whole idea. Could it be because of having the people around or even me myself? There might not be any conviction for the cessation of the Dukkha talk. So ah. if there is no, if you don't have ah. the thoughts of having a cessation, the methods will not be applicable if you don't feel that you want to cease. To okay, so plausible, if, plausible so, explanation. Yeah, so the cessation will come first. So if you, you make a determination or you cease yes. the need to cease, to cease, then you proceed on with the path or you proceed on with it. Plausible? Yeah, this is what's expected. Yeah, plausible, possible. It's a plausible ex it's a plausible explanation. Agree? It's a it's a it's a reasonable explanation. Yeah. There's an end of problem. Okay, this is how you do yes, it's a plausible I have another explanation. But half left. <laughs> our, our, our group is very small, you see. Yeah. I have another explanation. But it's a plausible explanation. And probably this is how, if you were, if you were to think about it, this is how you would say, yeah, it, it, could, it could be like this. It could be because this. So we have a problem, this is the reason why, but not to worry, it can end. And this is how it. So you're addressing people who are skeptical. Then my. Some people just stop at, even some stop at the first noble truth, but some right. people stop at the third noble truth. 
then they might not want to pursue further. So they don't. They want to. Don't want to pursue means they don't understand, ah. Yeah. Because just, it's all about the fourth. Yeah. yeah. Right. But some people will just want to pick and choose. They would rather stop at the third and not proceed on to the fourth. Ah, but you see, you will never experience the third. If you go by this logic, yes. right? If you go by this logic, one, two, and then the three, which is the traditional one, and then the four, right? If you say the intent, the reason why it flows like this is because people maybe not so bought in yet. So we must assure them that good things will come. So there's a problem, and not to worry, it will become like this. This is possible, and this is how we can achieve that. This is the traditional way of explaining this. What I call uh, abnormality, lah. And if this is the case, if this is the, the, the thing, then your what you said about well, maybe they they won't buy into the fourth. Then the, the third is irrelevant because the. But by this logic, the third must the third can happen only with the fourth done properly. Correct. I have a different. Can I? Can I try? Yes, you try. Because uh, you know we do the Taiwan then we listen to a lot of teachers. Okay. So he says you know he was talking Dharma of course, and he says, "Are you aware now? Do you have any indication of delusion?" Yes. Look, he says that we are only aware when there's trouble or when there's craving by the skin. But there is a stage uh, whereby there's no craving. Yes. But we are not aware of that. Yes. And so when you turn your mind there, you yes. actually can see it. But yes. the problem with us is that after seeing it, we yes. start to speculate. Is this what yes. is happening? But yes. that state itself is already, is already there within us. Correct. Yeah. And yes, that it's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, that's the reason why, in my mind, he presented it like that. Who's this teacher? Oh, it's a, it's a Maya Lama, but he's very so, much on the canvas. And uh, that's what the Chinese group is actually listening. Yes, okay. and, he, and I, I believe that's the right explanation. Because really, the very nature of craving is it has to be fed. It's always been fed. It's leeching on you, off you. The very nature of craving is it can actually, you, you can see it. It's embedded within all of us for craving to rise and fall. I kept saying that earlier on. Embedded in all of us for craving to rise and fall. It's embedded in all of us. But we never saw it end because we desire delight and lust. And because of our delighting and lusting habits, we keep the fire burning. So, Buddha's point was, in my mind, that now you can see that flow already. It can end. That's why the last word used was non-reliance. It. 
see that? It can end. Don't go back to it. This is what you must do. Otherwise, it won't end. Let it fade away. It will fade away. Every, you look at your own craving, right? It changes in intensity. From I really want it to I don't mind. Okay. It actually, it, it actually, I really want it. I really want it. But if the mind doesn't think about it, that one thing, that, that pain, that pain fades. In order for the pain to stay with you, you have to go back and think about it. You have to resurrect it. You have to resurrect. It's like someone scolds you, right? But the pain is up and down, up and down, up and down. The pain directly correlates to I don't like what I hear. What I heard, I don't like. And I don't like, I don't like means I like not to hear like that. Okay? It's painful when I hear it. Then when your mind got distracted, the pain fades away. It ceases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it fades away. You ignore it, it fades. But you go back to it, Ma. It, you use the word ignore. The word ignore says that actually it's there, but you're not watching it. But the reality is it's actually not there. But it comes back when you remember. When you remember, it's resurrected. That's your... <laughs> That's resurrection. <laughs> Coming back to life, yes. Yes. It's practice in daily life. Discover the fading away? No, no, but I mean the pain. Yes, yes, definitely. But that is the physical pain. There's mental pain. And mental pain comes back a lot. Physical pain, you move and you alleviate the pain. But the mental pain is you resurrecting the pain. Because there is a part in us that believes what goes in stays in. It's a belief. What goes in stays in. And the mind will just go and scratch at the scape. You know, scratch, 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 yeah. <laughs> Scratch the skin. The mind mentally revisits and resurrects the pain. It resurrects craving. And it's craving that is painful. So in how we talk to ourselves is to pacify, is to change the craving. But we change it in such a way, often unwisely. We change it in such a way as to make us feel good in a different way, but it feeds new craving. He doesn't know what he's talking about, man. <laughs> silly man. Jump <laughs> 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 open. <laughs> you know, the, our mind has funny way of... We do funny things, lah. Because in, in the course of this life, we have lived many years. Even the youngest amongst us has lived many years and has encountered many things and has found different ways of coping with pain.
and finding pleasure. And we keep going back doing the same thing. Okay, so actually, Dharma Chakra, after you unpack it and start to explain, you cannot understand why this is such a powerful sutta. Essentially, everything is anicca. Everything is, every construct, everything. Thoughts. You see, very often when you have thoughts, I, I said earlier, and I'm saying it again, thoughts are often feeding craving. Craving feeds thought, thoughts feed craving. That's how, this, this is how it keeps going. What would it take for us to drop thoughts? Is when you see thoughts as impermanent, dukkha, and anatta, conditionally a reason. When you see thoughts as my name, created, and feeding craving, if you do that, if you see that, you may begin to let thoughts go. You're letting thoughts go. So every time, whether it's good or bad, when it comes up, you tell yourself, my mate are things, you let it go. You don't hold on to thoughts. And you're back to nothing there. I'm present. That is presence. When you're present, don't be smug. Meta. This is where the kusala must come out. Right? Viriya, viriya. The kusala must come out. Conceit is actually the sum of your defilements. You see, uh, it's very, very cute. We think of conceit as conceit, it's a state. When you're angry, you're conceit. You, conceit comes up. When you have a view, will come up. All defilements contain conceit. All forms of defilements contain conceits. When you have no defilement, when it is kusala and is pure, there is no conceit. So actually, conceit is the sum of defilements. If you see anatta, then the conceit should fade away, right? If you see anatta, first time you see it, you realize conceit is my mate. It doesn't fade away yet because the habits are still strong. Conceit fades away only when defilements completely fades away. That is why in conceit as in mana, not the I brought conceit, it's the mana conceit. That, that mana, that is why only the arahant has no more mana. It's a mental energy for it's it's the sum of your defilement. And it's very cute. That's the reason why you feel so real. It is so weird. Yeah. You feel most real and most entitled when your Akusala is pounding its chest. Like Tarzan. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so think of a semi-naked man in loincloth pounding away. That's mana. <laughs> it's the sum of all our defilements. Every time you are aware that you are mana, 
correct. You must, must remember it's mind-made. It's a defilement. Just say it's defilement. That's what Arjun Jaisal always say. You want cessation of dukkha, it's the cessation of defilements. Uh, this comes to the statement. People uh, get old. <laughs> <laughs> get old, right? <laughs> yes. This involves people each other all the time. Yes. So, so. And, uh, and Sasampa Palapa mind, unfortunately, is a mind that has a lot of craving. You have nothing to Sampa if you have no craving. Come, let's talk about Ma. Not craving, you know? You won't hey, you know what he did that day, I tell you, okay? Uh, he went to buy coffee, you know? Then he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were like, ay, Sudala. <laughs> Not very interested in that, you know what I'm saying? There's something else I wanted to say and I happily forgot. It's it's like that, no? you drop, 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 then you drop. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> something came by and it got dropped off. Eh, sorry. Uh, so, so this is Dhamma Chakra. And actually, oh sorry. Dhamma Chakra, Anatta Lakana Sutta, and Dhamma Chakra Bhavatana Sutta, the two of them, if we have time, we don't have time, but actually, if we ever do, if I were ever to really conduct a class on Dhamma Chakra, I will conduct back to back to with Anatta. Friday, Saturday. Why? Because Anatta Lakana, Buddha plucked, patched up the gaps. In Dhamma Chakra, it was the essence, the crux of the teaching. Now you can see it is the crux of the teaching. It's to give people, to encourage people to let go of craving. But craving is such a powerful force. It's, it's, ma, it's mara. It's a very powerful force. So the only way you can fix craving is if your, your knowledge increases, your understanding of the mind increases, your acceptance that this is impermanent and the clinging is and so on and so on. You have to accept the teaching to some extent and then you can start to really let go of craving. But in Dhamma Chakra, he did not specifically mention Anicca Dukkha Anatta. Dukkha. But he didn't mention Anicca and, and Anatta at all in, in Dhamma Chakra. Huh? Yeah. He talked about Dukkha because because, because if you look at your own life, right, why are you here learning? It's because you feel dukkha. It's something that's quite unsatisfying. Life is not as is. As is cannot be it. Not so sure. Must be a little bit more. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so that's the reason why we will go and search and do things and change things and so on. We can't accept. There is no acceptance and contentment in our heart. And honestly, if, if not for the Dhamma that I'm beginning to understand, and appreciate deeply. I also not instinctively accepting more. How? My, my kind of credentials type one cannot instinctively <laughs> accept one. School time must fight. Working time must fight some more. Working big time already fights bigger. <laughs> this kind of background sure, huh? Dhamma don't want fight. Dhamma Once you know Dhamma, you fight means not yeah, exactly. Correct. So it is only when you really understand what is it that was driving you nuts fighting? 
What are you fighting for? Ah, uh, it's only when you begin to understand you say, Alama Sudala. Wasting time. Wasting time. Waste time, waste energy, make yourself happy and become more unhappy. It's only when you begin to understand how the mind works that you begin to realize what you're doing is counterproductive. And then you say, I need to change this habit. Because as long as the habit is not changed, I will never be happy. Then as you begin to change the habit, you begin to understand how the Dhamma works, you begin to see even more problem. Why? Because here we are talking about fixing one life habit. I want to be happy. Next time, Patong, Camel Princess. Then how? Do you remember how to do the Dhamma, right? You don't remember, right? How to be happy? Be from baby, happy baby, to very sad adult. It's lies. You don't remember the Dhamma. So what we want, because once you, if you don't accept lives after life, if you don't accept rebirth, and you say die already, finish, full stop. Then so be it. Yes, Happy or sad, so be it. Exactly. Because to be reborn is to die. Mm. To be reborn is to be separated. To be reborn is to lose. Unfortunately, this is the nature of life. So in our life, we want to keep changing the mind's wiring so that it gets less and less and instinctively, conditionally, it turns away from craving. Conditionally, it turns away. Then one day, it will become clinging is nonsense. One day, it, it slowly, maybe you will get there, and then clinging, you, you start to let go of it. Conditionally. Because now you say, stop! It will be the other one. Self-mortification. <laughs> step, step. So with understanding, you, that is why his method emphasized understanding and change, understanding and change, change and understanding, and it, it works in tandem. It's the path, not just the knowledge. The knowledge makes it easier for you to embrace the path. The path enables you to understand more. As you understand more, you will implement the path even more. You will be non-negotiable in how you implement it. So it's like that. You start with small steps, then it becomes big steps. You will hit a certain threshold, it goes into the big steps. Okay. Now, let me just share one final point. I suddenly remember with, with this. One final point, which is really quite cute. Okay, uh, we started saying, we started this talk saying, you know, the hand-picked talent spotted the five top people he knows can understand the Dhamma, then that one got through, four didn't, right? And that's Dhamma Chakra. When he met a whole bunch of lay people after this, Yasser, father, mother, wife, friends, I 55, he was converting like that, right? Yeah. It was not Dhamma Chakra. He fine-tuned his method. 
Buddha learned as he taught. He has fine-tuned. Because the next round, Yasser was a lay person. Now you say, oh, Yasser was ready. His wife left. His father left. His mother left. They're all ready. Uh. <laughs> they are the Indian housewife at the kitchen. Oh, my son! My son is missing! But they all got true. Sit down there, talk, enter stream. Like factory like that, no? <laughs> like, like factory like that. He fine-tuned his method. He knew what to touch, what to do. And he pitched it right for them. Otherwise, how can? How can this whole bunch of... Because earlier all he was hand-picking away, right? Think very hard, you know, think very hard. <laughs> then he... This one can ah see the things on my hand. Ah, also see the Then you know he was hand picking, right? Subsequently, he did hand pick. You know, Yasser. Okay, he was waiting for Yasser, so that doesn't count. But as I said, father and mother and wife, right? he wasn't waiting for them. Then Yasser said, the father said, you come to my house, we we buy, we, we we offer you arms. So he went, he said, then he preached, then he got in. And then children, son number one, son number two, son number 54. <laughs> the whole bunch of them came, you know, friends, the whole bunch of them. Yeah, he, he's fine too, his method. After that, there's a whole bunch of people. Including 30 young men hopping around in the forest somewhere, out on a daily hop. They went out to go picnic, and they came back to Sotapada. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wonderful. It's quite amazing. But the point, we don't know. Actually, that, th that story is quite cute because we actually have no... It's a hearsay. It's actually a hearsay. Because uh, the Dhamma the, they're all captured in suitors, right? But that conversion of the 30... I don't know, some say sprint, some say whatever. It's a hearsay. But the point that they wanted to capture for, for posterity, posterity, Posterity is that after a while it was pretty easy for him. So when did he next hit a roadblock? Did you know? The next time he hit a roadblock, it's very cute. The more kilat you are supposed to be, the harder it was to convert you. All these lay fellas, all oh, oh, <laughs> everybody enters stream like but the next time he hit a roadblock, it was the Kasapas brothers. The Kasapas, the, the eldest of the Kasapas, was the hardest to get through. He has to magic power him and magic power him and magic some more at him until he fed up. He says, You are not, I am. Then the guy went, oh. After this whole period of delusion, he gave up. Seriously, he, 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 you know, all the spells are very interesting. The spells, when you read history, you must read the context. The first thing he did when he met, it's a long story, but I just take one story, yeah? Kasapa brothers, right? Do you all know the story? He went back to Bodhigaya to meet up with the first Kasapa brother, the oldest one of the 500 pupils, meaning he's the biggest school, okay? And then he went to the Kasapa brother and he said, can I rest here? And the fellow said, oh, 
the, you can see the but but that one you don't stay in that house that shrine because there is this naga there and he's very vicious and he will burn you to a crisp fire worshipper these guys were all fire worshipper the first thing he did was he fight fire with fire he subdued the naga fire so he already manifested his capacity to contain fire meaning he can control the guy still say i'm an arahan he is not Kasapa brother in his mind like didn't say it so it was very interesting that buddha actually pitched it very high but the guy was not convinced and then every other steps reading mind man manipulating elements water fire ice temperature all the fellows say i'm i am the arahan he is not but he benefited from the fire everything you know yeah. until in the end buddha gave up you are not realized you don't even know the way out and that was when he woke up quite interesting buddha's history is really very interesting very fascinating so any last question before we close something very hard Today I saw my chief and he said, you should not take so much salt, you should not take rice so much, you should not take so much fat, and these are the three things In order for you to be alive, you have to feed body and mind. The body one you understand, huh? it's very simple because we're all familiar with the body, but the mind one is very interesting. Basically, there are three things that keeps you going on a rebirth channel. You keep clicking. One, feelings. Two, feelings keep you going. Two, thoughts. It keeps you going. Three, consciousness. Okay. So, in order for you now, why are these three things so sticky? It is because your mind very instinctively chase after pleasant feelings. Right? Chase after pleasant feelings. You want it. But in order for feeling to arise, what must you have? Contact. I don't fix feel I don't fix feeling. I must fix so he say in your mind but, but i must warn you these are all practitioners uh, very serious practitioner monks so he told them think of contact not as something pleasurable because our mind the reason why you you still crave is because you remember the pleasant sensation it's the contact that you want right so he said for every contact you think of contact as the skin cow standing against a wall with crawlies biting into the cow so every time you think of feeling right go straight to the contact and think of that cow against the it's a very graphic very bloody image you can you can squeak in your head screech in your head Nice to see. It's nice seeing you guys. Yeah.